Are you? Good, good. Ask the people sitting around you. Two or three of them. Say, how are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Y'all got to turn, turn your heads. Shake hands. Give them a fist bump. How about that? Give them a little fist bump. Good to see you. Something like that. We will force you to be friendly at South Point. Force you. Awesome, awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, on your seat, before we get into the message, on your seats all through this place are some, uh, some Easter invitations, some Easter info. It is three weeks from today. Can you believe that? Easter is here. Three Sundays from today, one of our uh, biggest Sundays of the year. And what that means for us is that it's an opportunity. People that look to check out churches on Easter, people that go like my family did growing up on Easter, Mother's Day, and Christmas. Those, this is our opportunity to plug them in to the hope, to the love, to the salvation that we have. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Those, uh, there's one on each seat, but there's stacks of them uh, out at the welcome booth. Be sure to grab two or three of those. It's just good to have something in your hand to, to give to somebody. And it points them to our website. Tell them they can go to southpointokc.com slash Easter and get all the information there. You can also, there's all kinds of social media art that you can go on that website, our, our website, and uh, share that on your any of your social media platforms, email, all that kind of stuff. So it's a great opportunity for us to connect with the thousands of people that we're connected to on social media. Is that cool? Yeah. I'm looking for a big day on Easter, not just attendance-wise, that's, that's always fun because it's lots of energy in the room, but with that, we're looking for a big response. We want some people to come to know Christ for the first time or the last time on Easter Sunday. Amen? Are you with me? We be, pray, be praying for that? Fantastic. All right. Well, elbow your neighbor and say, are you ready for this? All right, I know it's cold outside, but... but we can, we can uh, help the pastor preach a little bit this morning, okay? This is, this is our uh, series finale today. It's the last in this series. Uh, we've been talking about the book of Galatians all month. We like to do that once or twice a year. We uh, take a book of the Bible, go over Galatians. And like I've said the last couple of weeks, I've been so excited about this book. And uh, about halfway through the series, I was giving high five to, to God going, Great choice, Lord, great choice. Because when he first started, when I first started thinking, okay, maybe it's Galatians that we're supposed to be doing, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, it's a little book. I've read it a billion times. What new is there to get out of it? And uh, as it is every time, man, I learn something new every time that uh, I delve into something, I get into something. And so this whole series, we've been talking about maybe the, the main couple of things that Paul is writing to the churches in this area of Galatia. This was a, a big, long letter that Paul wrote to help the churches understand how to live for Christ. What they were doing is they were, they were kind of being persuaded and swayed and persuaded back and forth uh, by the religious leaders of the time, mostly Jewish leaders, who wanted them to take on some of the old characteristics of the law, to do some of the old things, like the guys getting circumcised. There had to be a, a physical change in you. And Paul is saying, no, that's not the case. And his, his main points over those first couple of chapters were, this is not about rules. Amen? This is not about regulations. This is about developing a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's what this that we're doing is. And he also talked about how that um, it was uh, in developing that relationship, there was something that competed for that. And he encouraged us to not live according to the flesh, 
but to live according to the Spirit. And he walked that out. Last week we talked about living by the Spirit and what that was all, all about. And this week, you can see in your orange bulletin and the announcements and the notes on version, however you follow along with us, that the message is inspired by this chapter in this book. And it's called Living to Make a Difference. So Paul, check this out, for five chapters, for most of the book, Paul has been, this is what living for Jesus is about. He talks about the rules versus relationship. He talked about the flesh versus the spirit. But now at the end of the book, what he's doing this first half of Galatians 6, he's saying, now what are you going to do with it? Now, now how are you going to put it into practice? What does that mean? Well, look, if I choose the spirit and if I choose to develop a relationship, how am I going to put it into practice and let this live out in my own life? And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, I, I look back when I read this and I've shared several stories over the last couple of weeks about my, my first influences as a believer. When I became a, a Christian in college, that little church that I was a part of was a, such a huge blessing. There were people in that, the attitude in that church that really helped shoot me in the right direction. But when I think about living to make a difference, there's so many people that are in my life that I think of I'm so thankful to God that they were the people influencing me in my life. And probably maybe one of my number one, still to this day, is my grandpa. Um, over the years, a few years ago, I showed a video of him where I interviewed him. My grandpa's in his late 80s. He didn't get saved until he was in his 30s. And he still lives in the house in Duncan, Oklahoma, that he bought on the far east side of town that he bought in the 50s. Now, let me just tell you, the neighborhood's changed a little bit from the 50s. In fact, the, the whole neighborhood is so run down that the, he bought the house next to him and had it bulldozed for a yard and chain-linked that thing too. So that, that's what he's got there. But let me just tell you, when my, when my grandpa was in his 40s, when my grandpa was in his 40s, he was, he was a truck driver. He hurt his back. He blew out some discs, loaded some freight one time and spent several months in bed uh, went through some depression, just super, super tough time for him. But it was during that time that God reaffirmed what I've called you to do in life. His name was Joe. And I, when he tells me stories, he always tells me like from the perspective of God saying, now, Joe, this is what you got to do. And it was during those months of trying to get stronger and laying in bed that God said, you, your purpose in life was not a truck driver. Your purpose in life is what you're going to find in God's word for me. It's what we talk about at South Point. It's what it's on our wall out there. It's the one greatest single influence in my life and, and through scripture out of Matthew 22. Your purpose, our purpose, is to love God and to love people. That's it. That's where everything else comes from. Our career, that's just the, that's just the vehicle to get us down the road, right? That's, that's what our career is. It's our platform, right? And, and, and our gifts and abilities, those are our... Our fuel, how about that, for the car? That's what gets us there. But our purpose through our careers, through our hobbies, through everything in life, our purpose is to love God and love people. And so over the last 40 years, I've watched my grandpa and, and several other people, but specifically him because I get to hear the behind-the-scenes talk. I get to watch behind-the-scenes. And every time I go visit him, here's what, here's what I get to hear. Like, for the last 25 years... As we're talking, the first couple of things, how are you doing? How's Mama doing? Everybody doing okay? House doing all right? I mean, the house has been there since like 1412 or something like that. I mean, it's, for, it's an old house. How's that doing? He can't work on it anymore, so it's always some of the relatives that work on it. Uh, everything's doing good. I was like, so you, and here's the question. Have you met any of your neighbors lately? 
Because in that area, nobody stays permanently. Like he's the only person within a couple of blocks that have lived there forever. Everybody else just in and out every couple of years. And his goal, since he walked out of that room years ago after hurting his back, his goal is not to become a truck driver again. His goal is to share what God did in his life. That's it. He's still telling the story about, about his cousin, L. Merritt was his name, coming to his house and saying, Now, Joe, I've invited you to this revival for weeks and weeks, and it's getting better and better. Now, here's the deal. Are y'all ready for this? Can y'all handle some old school oaky evangelism? And we actually have a couple of our friends from Duncan that may remember L, and this is exactly how L went. He's standing on my grandpa's porch. I've heard this story 612 times if I've heard it once. He said, now, Joe, here's the deal. You can come to the revival tonight the easy way or the hard way. But the bottom line is you're coming. And my grandpa kind of grinned because he knew what that meant. They had fought many times. They were rough and tumble. I mean, that front yard had been tore up by those two while all of us sat on the front porch and made fun of them multiple times. Real, real old school, you know, kind of hillbillyish, redneckish, all that rolled into one that's going on there. But I remember my grandpa saying for, for years that every time Elle invited him to church, he was like, no, I'm going to the bar tonight, or no, I'm doing this tonight. And Elle said, you can go the easy way or the hard way. And my grandpa grinned, he said, I don't know why I said it, but I just said, I'll go. And he said he never forgets walking in that little Pentecostal church, and here he had no religion whatsoever, and it was freaking them out, and all the people in there were freaking him out. And he got up to leave, and guess who grabbed him around the neck like this? El Merritt. And walked him back down there and said, the message ain't over yet, and set him back down. And my grandpa said by the end of that message, he was on all fours crying in the middle aisle of that church and crawled to the front of the church and asked the pastor to pray for him. And it hadn't been the same since. So when I asked my grandpa, well, Peppa, how's everybody doing? How's Mamaw doing? How are the cousins? All the different stuff. How's the house? And then when I say, have you met any new neighbors? Do you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for probably the 50th, 60th, 70th person that's lived in his neighborhood over the last 50 years that he has shared his life with, that has loved on them, and sometime in that process they have given their life to Christ. That's what I'm looking for. That's my example in life. My grandpa, what's, like, I have to be careful because if I ask that question, do you know what's coming next? Well, how, uh, how's the pastor, the professional Christian doing? How many people you led to Jesus? Well, that's between me and the Lord, Peppaw. Thank you very much. You know, that's if I'm, it's less than Peppaw. If it's more than Peppaw, I can brag about it. But, but I'm just telling you, it, that's the challenge for us. And it, it's not just from my grandpa. It's from right here. And that's what Paul is reminding us in this. Listen, I don't want you to get stuck on even the argument Paul's saying. Like, I'm writing this letter. And I don't want you to get stuck on, don't worry about rules versus re relationship your whole life. Don't do that. Don't worry about flesh versus spirit your whole life. You know what you need to worry about? You worry about loving God and loving people, and the Lord will lead you in all the rest of that. You, you worry about that, and everything else will take care of itself. Because as you pursue God, something inside of us changes. As we get more God in us, we want to share it with other people. And that's what today is all about. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over in Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read you the, the first verse. And that's where Paul turns the corner and says, this is how we're going to live. This is how we're going to take those first five verse, or chapters and we're going to put them into practice. All right, are you with me? Everybody say, yep. All right, sounded like you mean it. Verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin. Everybody say caught. Now that's a technicality that I like to point out. Because throughout my life, that has been the difference between a lot of things. I, I can even remember when I was 16, 17 years old and I got stopped by the police. I was doing like five miles an hour. They stopped me for speeding. I had my insurance. I got this. And the, the policeman starts, you know, he starts asking, going down the list of questions and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and he says, you've been convicted of a felony. And I kind of looked at him and grinned. I said, convicted? You know, cool eyebrows going up and down 100 miles an hour. And, he's, and he points his, my driver's license at me. He goes, listen, Slick, we can go to jail if you want. Answer the question. Well, I can tell you, like, in my mind, I was, I was thinking, say, for five miles an hour, oh, I'm going to go to jail. And then I thought, okay, that was the only warning you're probably getting. No, sir, I have never been convicted of a felony. Thank you very much. Ten and two, shut up and say yes, sir, right? That's the way you're supposed to do it. And from, from then on, I understood they don't care about getting caught. But let me tell you, in the church world, sometimes people that get caught in sin scare us. You don't have to point or anything like that. But when people around us, people in our neighbors, coworkers, people in our church row, when they get caught doing something they're not supposed to, sometimes that's something as a, as a believer that we back away from, we push away from so that, so that we don't get to take part in that. But can I tell you, that's exactly the opposite of what Christ did and what Paul challenges us to do with what we know about Jesus. Are you ready for this? So, here we go. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit. Everybody raise your right hand. That's you. That's you. You who live by the Spirit. These have been talking to us for five chapters. That's you. You who live by the Spirit, here's, here's, here's for you. This message is for you. You should restore that person gently. Can I get a big amen? You, you should be a part of that person's restoration or, or salvation or returning to Jesus. However you want to say it, you should help that person. Now, is there some wisdom involved with that? You bet. The next verse or the next uh, line says, but watch yourselves or you too may be tempted. But I, before we unpackage that, I want you to get point number one. As believers, with the Holy Spirit living in us, let us be a friend of sinners. Okay? Man, I got a weak amen out of that. But can I, can I let you know that that's our job on this planet. We are to be a friend to sinners. Whew. We're going to work this in. Be a friend to sinners. Let's do another audience participation. Let's define what a sinner is. Everybody raise your right hand. <laughs> Yep. There's, there's one kind of person on this planet, and they're sinners. That's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us. But you know there's actually two different kinds of sinners. There's the ones that are prideful and say, I don't need Jesus. And there's the ones that lean heavily on his grace and his mercy. That, that's the difference right there. And the ones that have leaned on that and have received that hope and have understood what being restored gently by our Savior is should do the exact same thing to the sinners around them when they're caught. Amen? 
That's our goal in life. And here's what's great. You have some good company. Like when I think about my grandpa and his favorite spot, his favorite evangelism position is this. Because his yard's got a chain link fence all the way around it. He'll get on that fence. Tom, how you doing over there? That's the beginning of his sermon right there. Neighbor will walk over. Oh, pretty good, Joe. And I've, I've seen it ten dozen times if I've seen it once. And that's how it starts. But you know what's great is my grandpa had an had a example also. In, in Matthew eleven nineteen. guess what it says? Are you ready for this? Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Now, am I condoning going to where they go and doing what they do? Everybody say no. Of course not. That, that, that's the, the part that Paul warns us about. about but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. You've got to be wise with that. But my job in life, part of the second half of this relationship, this loving God is this way, but the loving people is not just perfect people because there's none of them. There's just the sinners that, that rely on the grace and the mercy of Christ, and we've been saved by that. And there's the sinners that haven't yet, and that they need us. They need that light that we bring. In that, in that church in Clinton, there was a little uh, lady in her mid to late 60s, I don't know if she is married. I don't even remember her name. But I just remember her about every, about every week that I was up at the church. She would come up there and she would ask to make copies. And what would happen is she would buy this little kind of a fake newspaper looking thing that was like a track. Y'all know what a track is where it would tell you about Jesus or a story or something like that. And she'd bring that in and she would bring in her ream of paper. And she goes, can I, uh, Pastor said I could do this. Can I, can I make 500 copies of this? And we're like, Absolutely. Like, what do you do with that? I remember the first time I asked her, what do you, what do you, what do, you do with that? She said, here, read that. And one of them came off the copier, and she gave it to me. And it says, Jesus is coming. Great big letters, like a newspaper, you know, something old school. Jesus is coming. Do you know him? And I remember reading down that and just how gentle and kind and how hopeful it was that if I was in need, that Jesus was there, that if I would take a minute and open up my life to him, Jesus would come into my life and help me reorganize. and You just kind of said it in real world terms like what Jesus does supernaturally. And I said, well, what do you do with these? you mail them out? And she said, nope. She said, uh, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. My family was Jehovah's Witness. And they trained us well. And she said, and ever since I converted to a Christian, I, uh, I just keep that same practice. It has nothing to do with my theology. I believe on Christ, but I take these... And I just go door to door, and I put them in doors and knock on them. If people answer, I'll talk to them about them. And, and if not, I just keep moving on. I'm like, well, how long will, you know, my mind's going 100 miles. How long will a ream of paper last you? And she goes, about a week. I said, so you knock on 500 doors a week? And she goes, well, if, if the weather's not good. Now, if the weather's good, I'll, I couldn't believe it. It just challenged me to my core. And she said, Scott, in the Bible, Jesus, it says that Jesus did his work. The rest is up to us. Jesus did his job. He died for us. He empowered us. And he told us to go witness about him. Go share our light. And as I read over in, in Matthew 5, that other reference in your, in your Bible, it says that we are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its saltiness, it says that what good is it anymore? And then the next verse says, then you're the light of the world. You're supposed to go be the light. Now, let me, let me 
remind you real quick, when people don't have Christ, when people aren't living with the hope that you and I live with, it's kind of like this. Garrett, go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and hit all of them back there. Let's just turn that off. Oh, the screen's putting out way too much light. Can't black that out, can we? But do you understand if, there we go, yeah. Now if I just had everybody get up and run around the room one time and sit back in your same seat as fast as you can? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Don't do that, please. Everybody stand and just freeze for a moment. <laughs> and I cannot see the edge of this stage, so I'm going to stay right where I'm at. Do you, under, do you understand? This is how people live. Do you remember that? If you had a, a salvation experience in your life, do you remember this? Do you remember saying, I, I don't know what direction to go because I can't see? I can't see what the answer is because I can't see that decision. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know where to turn. I don't know who can help me. I'm just going to have to fumble my way through life. And when that happens, and, and this happens, look at that. I can shine light on the entire room. One light. I can light up one entire environment. Can you see that? I can see the whole half of the room. Somebody go, who, who is that? I can introduce myself. I'm Scott. I, I used to be just like you. I used to be in the dark. And I've fumbled my way through long enough that I can, I've got some light. I've got some answers. I'll help you out. You want to go to lunch? You understand, like, that's such a simple analogy. But Jesus himself said, you are the light of the world. And when you have this light, you're not supposed to put it under a bushel or under a desk or under a bucket. It says you're supposed to hold that up so that everybody around you can see it and they're drawn to that light. Let me tell you, people in the dark are ready for some light. Amen? That's what it's all about. We can turn up the lights now. That's what it's all about is showing people I'm a light. I don't have all the answers, but I do have one answer that will bring light into your life. That's one verse. One verse. Paul said, listen, I've talked to you about Rules and regulations. I've talked to you about flesh and spirit, but now I'm going to talk to you about how to apply that. First of all, when you see people caught in sin, don't run from them. You have the light. Go restore them gently. Lead them to the light. It doesn't matter if you walk off in the dark a little bit, as long as you've got your light. And lead them to the light. They need what we have. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I remember the old Scott, the B.C., before Christ Scott, like it was yesterday. It's been 26 years now this month. I remember it like it was yesterday. I want no part of that. I want to get as far away from that as I can. That was a rough time. That was a rough patch of life for 23 years. And there's millions of people just like us around us. The second, the second one is this. The second uh, verse says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, you obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. What, what's a burden? A anything that weighs you down? Maybe something that challenges your salvation. Man, those people I used to be scared of when they're struggling with their salvation. I don't want to get into all that. I, I, I struggle enough. I don't want to argue about it. I don't want to get doubt in my mind. You know what? I've learned that they want not the doubt that's in my mind, but they want the faith that's in my mind. They want the good things that I have. And I've learned to share other people's burdens on that. And what happens is, the second half of that verse says that when we do that, we're actually obeying, fulfilling the law of Christ. You remember the law of Christ when Jesus came in, in John 13, he says this, that a new command that I give you, you remember that verse? A new command. 
You mean the 613 weren't enough, Lord? No, a new one I'm going to give you. And this is going to sum it all up. Love each other. And if you wonder how, it's just like I loved you. That's how I want you to go love each other. There are people in our lives every day. My neighbors, my coworkers, people on social media, that I have an opportunity to obey the law of Christ with by just sharing and what they're going through, by helping them out. What are you going through? Let me be a part of that. Let me shine some light. Let me spread some salt. Let me give you some hope. Let me give you some direction. And in return, I obey. You obey. We fulfill the law of Christ. So the second point is this. I want you to see this as, as we talk about this today, that the very action of loving and helping others is directly connected to our salvation. I love saying that because people will go, do you mean it's salvation by works? Not at all. It's what Paul referred to in the first half, the first five chapters of this book. He said the difference between duty and love. I I, I serve Christ not out of duty or the rules, but out of a love and a relationship with him. And so the actions of me actually loving people is directly related to me loving God. You get that? Punch your neighbor in the arm and say, you get that? Yeah. That always wakes them up. That it's directly connected to who I am. Not out of duty, but out of the overflow. Remember, he said, if you walk by the Spirit, that produces fruit in our life. And that fruit, the very first one is, everybody say love. It's love. It flows out of our life. It flows out of this relationship with God. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. As you walk out and help those that are caught in sin, as you help people around you that are struggling with a burden in life, I want you to understand that you walking in the Spirit will produce the love that they need to turn to Christ. And in return, that encourages your salvation. That encompasses the discipleship process, part of the discipleship process that Jesus said, go out and love others as I have loved you. You remember last week we talked about Galatians 5, 6, one of my favorite verses. And it says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's what counts. The third one comes out of Galatians 6 and verse 7. It says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those, and here we go, us again, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good and at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if, everybody say don't give up, if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, that's what we need to look for. We should do good to everyone, especially those who are in the family of faith. Point number three is never give up. Never give up loving God and loving people. Can I tell you that is the one and only plan? Can I get a better amen than that? That's a a one and only plan. It's still the hope of the world. Listen, the last three weeks we've talked a lot about Rules and regulations and relationships. We've talked a lot about life in the spirit versus life in the flesh and the fruit that produces. But I want to encourage you that all throughout the New Testament, it all comes back to this one thing. 
It all comes back to loving God and loving people. That's why Jesus said multiple times that on loving God and loving people hang everything else. I want you to understand, as you fall in love with Christ, as you share that love with people, you obey the law of Christ. You fulfill what Christ died for. We're completing God's plan. That's why I'm so grateful that Paul brings that back around in the last of his letter and he says, listen, don't forget that this is about loving him and doing good to everybody all the time. Look for opportunities. So I want us to pray today for opportunities. I want us to pray that God will give us opportunities, especially with Easter coming up. Let, let, us, let our eyes be focused on some opportunities around us. Maybe, maybe it's you leaning on your fence, talking to your neighbor. But maybe it's somebody down the hall at work. Maybe it's somebody in a different classroom at school or somebody you see at lunch. I want us to pray for opportunities. And then when we have that opportunity, that God would remind us right where we are, that we're the light. That we're the light. That this stepping out and sharing our faith, being kind to them, helping them, whatever that is, that's fulfilling all that Christ died for. Can we do that together today? Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word that challenges us to our core. Those who walk by the Spirit, that is us, Lord. We proclaim it today. Just as the song said, we, we declare it today. We are those. We want to be those every day who walk according to your Spirit, who say no to the flesh and yes to you, Lord. So we pray that you would open our eyes, our spiritual eyes. Let us see the opportunities around us. I, we know you're at work. We know that people that are in the dark, that, that you're working with them, that you're leading them back to you, but that you need us, Lord, to intervene into their lives. I pray that you'd lead us, that you'd help us to restore those who have fallen, that you'd help us to carry each other's burdens, to share their burdens, share that weight, to share that pressure. And I pray in return, Lord, that you would help us be a part of what you're doing on this planet. Help us here at South Point to reach people and be the hope in their lives, to change them forever pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us, God, to do what we can't do. We're not all courageous. I pray that you'd give us courage. We're, we're, we, don't, we don't all know what to say. I pray that you'd give us the words to speak. We don't all look for those opportunities, Lord, but I pray that you'd put them in front of us because all of us want to be a part of what you're doing on this planet. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. And with your eyes still closed, let me, let me pray one more prayer. I want to pray for those in this room that, you know, you may have come checking out South Point today or as a, as a guest of somebody else's, or you may have been here for a while, and it doesn't matter because we want to pray for you. I want to pray one more prayer of commitment of just, a, Jesus, I'm for you. I want you to come into my life. A prayer of salvation. If that's you and you'd say, you know what, Scott, today I'm ready. I'm ready to open up, open up my heart and my life and let Jesus come in and lead me. Let me forgive me of my past. Teach me how to live for him. If that's you, I won't call you up front or ask you to stand or anything. But with everybody's eyes closed, would you take the first step of just let me know by raising your hand? And just lets me know I'm making that decision today. Awesome. You can put your hand right back down. Anyone else? That's so great. We're proud of you. I know that's difficult. I'm excited that when you have the 
the courage to take that first step, to make that decision today. Anyone else before we pray, say, that's me. Awesome. Then while I I pray, will you just tell him, say, that's me, Lord. That's me. I'm ready to make that decision today. Come into my life. Make me yours. Lord, we love you. and We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We're all sinners, Lord, but many in this room, if not all, are saved by your grace. Sinners saved by your grace. And today we pray for those that that raise their hands today, that are making decisions to allow you to come into their life, to change their future, to forgive them of their past. And I pray that from this day forward, Lord, you'd make them a, a new creation, a new heart, a new motive, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing the world that your Holy Spirit would empower them, give them direction, that you'd be a a light to their path and a lamp to their feet, just as your word says. That you would speak to them, Lord, and as they walk through life, that they would hear you saying, go to the right or go to the left, or do this or don't do this, that you would speak through their lives. And from this day forward, help them to hear your voice, Lord. Help them to know that you're with them, that you're for them. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 So proud of you guys. If, and if that was you that raised your hand today, if you made that decision, will you take a second before we leave as we sing this last song and mark your communication card and then just drop it by the welcome booth on the way out. We're not going to uh, 